Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. I guess since I'm talking about the pros here, what would you say, you know, just to try and keep it as objective as possible, what would you say some cons mm-hmm. of it might be? So I think the the biggest con to me is it's, um, you know, the, the oh, here's the thing. The advantage with your 401k is you don't have to think about it, right? Yeah. They take it out of your paycheck. It goes in there and you, you even, a lot of people even forget that it's happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this takes some discipline. This takes some intention. This takes some um, being purposeful. And, mm-hmm. and managing it and, and continuing to put the money in and, you know, do, doing the thing, paying your loans back, right? It takes some responsibility. And, and some people, frankly, just won't do it or don't want to do it. And they should stay away from this because it's just probably not going to be something they're happy with. Um, I think, uh, you know, maybe another con is when uh, you've got your money in a policy and it's just plodding along every year doing its thing. And you look over at the S&P 500 and it had a 30% tear. <laughs> Uh-huh. Right. And so, and so you start to go, man, fear missing out, right? Man, did I miss something over there? Um, but then usually you feel pretty good about it when it, when it takes a 30% tank, right? So then you're right. okay. It, um, it averages right. out over time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're you know, we're really we're, we're lucky sure. at timing the market, which, you know, nobody is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I, something I joke about all the time with these is, you know, okay, is it possible that these insurance companies that that have been doing this for over 100 years will somehow not be able to pay a dividend, as you were alluding to, through all these crises over over 100 years or more? You know, is it possible? Okay, well, it's possible. That's why they're not guaranteed. The dividends aren't guaranteed sure. because it's possible that they won't be able to, to do that. But after that much history, I don't know what's going on in the world that suddenly this company can't pay a dividend anymore after 118 years of doing it. They've only been but, saving up more money. Well, yeah. And and so I'm, I'm guessing whatever's going on in the world is really bad. Yeah. And it may not really matter at that point <laughs> yeah. where, where I have my money. Right. Right. Um, because everything is probably really, really bad if that, if that's the situation. Yeah. So nothing is 100% safe. Nothing is 100% secure. I just think these policies, if they're done right and they're handled responsibly, um, are the safest, most productive thing that we can do with our money and maintain access to it. So you mentioned the the one of the cons is just kind of you compare it to the 401k. It can be a lot more passive in that sense because a lot of stuff is just taken care of for you. It's taking it out before you even see the money, kind of like taxes. <laughs> and so, you know, it takes it out before you even see the money and it's investing it. Maybe it's matching it, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, that that can be a con because, but, you know, in the sense that that's kind of tell you, everyone should be, you know, have some sort of awareness with their money and taking care of it. And the 401k, you know, that uh, Ted Banna, I think was the name of the guy who created the 401k. And he was just talking about how it's really just, you know, it it wasn't intended necessarily to be the full tool that people use because 
the benefits of it really aren't that outstanding when you compare it to other models. Um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, it, it's just it's just simply a way for people who just were not going to be able to invest because they could not discipline themselves to be able to do it because they never see it. They don't have to actually do it. Um, and, and it's just taken care of for them. So yeah, that's a, that's a, I guess a con for some people, but hopefully for people listening to money vision, you, we, uh, have a little bit more control of our money and a little bit more say in what it does. So I think that's a good point there. And then with, um, you know, so you're talking about, you can moving kind of to the investing side of it, where you can mm-hmm. invest it with the actual, with the cash value that you build up. So say you got to 25,000, $50,000, um, let's say you invest that in real estate, you know, so because we talked about taking loans for yourself, maybe to buy a car, things like that. And we should probably discuss like the, I mean, you said you can just literally hold that loan for however long. I don't know what the, it will, I'll just ask that right now. Is there an interest rate on that? How does that work to be able to loan from yourself? Like say I'm 32 years old and I take a loan for a $10,000 car from my cash value policy so I can pay it in full because I don't want to pay these interest rates right now. But are these mm-hmm. interest rates from the cash value policy any better? Or, you know, and and then, you know, what happens if it's taken me 10 years, 15 years before I pay it back and just kind of an un, am undisciplined in doing that? Yep. So the uh, so there's a couple of things to explain about policy loans. Um, so number one is the accounting, the way the insurance company handles payments. So so you're in control of the payment. You can pay whatever amount you want. So what I do for clients is if it's a car, let's say, then we'll say, okay, how how many years do we want to pay on this? And maybe it's six, maybe it's eight. You know, it could be ten, whatever whatever works for them. And then we figure out what that payment is. The other approach to this is some people will say, okay, what would I pay if I finance this through the bank or through the dealer? Right. Right? What would my payment be for the same term? And then they pay that amount to the policy. Okay. So however we come up with the payment, that's how we do it. All right. Now here's the thing. The payments 100% reduce the principal. So if you take out the loan this month and you start making your payment this month, every month you're reducing the principal dollar for dollar for your payment. Okay. And kind of like a HELOC or revolving account, it's also freeing up cash value that you can use again with every payment, right? Because okay. it's, it's going back you have more to you cash can use. value. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the year, right before your anniversary date, the insurance company is going to look at the amount of payments that you've made that reduce the principal down to whatever. So we're paying $100 a month, we borrowed $10,000, then we're got 99 you know, 1,100 or whatever that is at the end of the year, right? We've paid it down by 1,200. Mm-hmm. And and um, that math was terrible right there, by the way, but you get the idea. <laughs> I got the idea. <laughs> um, and so then they're going to assess the interest rate on on that balance as of that, that anniversary date. So they're going to apply the interest once a year and they're going to apply it based on the reduced principal that you've paid down during the year with your with your uh, with your payments, so it's a simple interest rate. Right now, um, most companies are right around the five percent range. So five percent all by itself is a whole lot better than than oh, what's yeah. going on in the market today. Um, it's right? hard to this, find that on the auto, even when the rates were good. Even when they were good, yeah, exactly, exactly. But based on how I pay it down, so if I pay that loan down in let's say four to five years. The, so what I do for clients is calculate an effective annual interest rate based on how they're paying it down. So if I'm going to pay that down over four to five years, that effective annual rate is going to work out to somewhere in the 2% range. 
Oh, wow. If I pay it off in that amount of time, if I stretch that out to eight or 10 years, I might get up into the two and a half, maybe 3% range, right? The only time it's actually going to be 5% is if I don't make any payments and it's still going to be 5% simple. Uh Uh-huh. Right. It's not. And and talk about that. Talk about, because I know that's a a huge advantage, simple compared to, you know. Yeah. Simple basically is you're paying the rate on the principal balance. You're, you're not paying interest on interest. Yeah. Compound interest is paying interest on interest, right? The interest is, is accruing and you're, and you're paying it as you go. Um, it's also with most auto loans, mortgages, things like that. You also pay the vast majority of the interest in the early years. Um, you know, I, I, I do examples all the time where we'll take, okay, we're going to take a hundred thousand that we borrowed for real estate. And if we borrowed that from a bank over the first 10 years, right, this is what the payoff would be. And if we borrowed it from the policy with the same payment over the same 10 years, you know, and the payoff is usually less than half after 10 years, right? Because you're front loading all that interest on the mortgage. That's not happening in the policy loan. Okay. So one, I don't know, we'll have to talk about how the interest rates can be that low, but then two is, I guess the first question I want to work backwards, is that how the, I guess the insurance carriers are making the money to be able to give dividends year after year for 118 years in a row. This is kind of a way they're making a lot of people are just borrowing against the cash value in their policy. And so they're able to use that interest to pay, uh, you know, everyone with the policy. So remember, this is, this is one of the investments that the regulators like, that they can make loans to their own policy. You know, so we're part of their investment portfolio. So yes, that interest is directly related to the performance of the company. Here's the cool thing. So I take out a policy loan. I'm making payments. I'm paying, let's just call it 2 to 5% interest, depending on how I pay my loan back, to the insurance company who's paying me a dividend based on their performance every year. Right. It's it's kind of a, a kind of a cool community sort of system where I'm part of this mutual insurance company. I'm able to borrow money at these great rates. And the and the interest I do pay to the insurance company is actually supporting their performance, which is then paying me out a dividend on the anniversary date next year. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then so that's how they're they're able to keep these interest rates low. So really it's, I mean, one of the biggest I mean, especially in an inflationary market like we've had is, I mean, if, if you can just go to a bank right now, it's going to be just more expensive to borrow money. Money is just a little bit more expensive, but you can, if you can bank on yourself and have a cash value, a whole life, let me say this right, whole life insurance policy where you use the cash value portion of it, I guess would be kind of the terminology, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and bank on yourself that way, you know, you're going to be able to save money just because you're not having to pay nearly as high interest rates. Um, and, you know, what the consequences of that, and you're going to be able to have more liquid cash and, you know, you can pay the car in full and, and, and things like that. So that that's a cool benefit. That's, that's a big time benefit from it there. Now on now, something I'm thinking of as we're kind of talking about it. So is it ever, so one thing with a retirement vehicle that you might have is, you know, you become 60 and it's, it's all, I mean, I guess it can be liquid at any time. There's just consequences, you know, or tax mm-hmm. penalties if you take it out early, but you know, you get to 60 years old, 59 and a half, whatever the age is. And you, you know, all of a sudden have called a million dollars that you saved up that you can use accordingly, however you want 
things like that. You're using it. You're not borrowing it and paying it back, mm-hmm. things like that compared to cash value or to, compared to this whole life policy. So you could get to 60 years old, have a million dollars in this whole life policy, but anytime you would want to use it, you would have to pay it back. Correct. So, but what if you don't have a job? And at, at that point, how are you kind of, what would you be doing to pay it back? I mean, is it simply from investments? How, how would that work? So actually, you don't have to pay it back at that point. So we we have the option of it's not a it's not called a withdrawal. It's called a partial surrender. So um, you can pull money out of a policy that's not a loan that you don't pay back. Mm-hmm. Um, you just do it as a partial surrender. Once you've built up and a so, certain amount. Correct. Yeah. Well, you can you can pretty much do it with any amount. Um, but yes. So let's use your scenario where you're you're now over fifty nine and a half. Which, by the way, we can access the policy before fifty nine and a half with no penalties uh, if if we do it the right way. So the way the rules work under current tax laws, we can pull um, partial surrenders, sort of like withdrawals. We can pull money out of the policy up to our basis, which is roughly the amount we put in it. Right. It's kind of like your cost basis in, a, in any other thing. Mm-hmm. And so we can pull withdrawals up to the cost basis with no tax consequence, right? Tax free. And then as a retirement strategy, so let's say we started pulling income out of the policy at 60 years old. And somewhere around 80 years old, we hit our basis point. Right. So we've pulled the amount of money that we've put in it all these years. We we pull that out by age 80. Yeah. So at age 80, what we're going to do is we're going to switch over and start pulling loans. Because we can also pull loans okay. tax-free under current tax law. Okay. So we switch from withdrawals or partial surrenders. We switch over to loans. This is the only time we don't pay a loan back. And what we're going to do is we're going to, that's one of the things I do for clients is I plot this out. I use the illustration software from the insurance companies and I plot out how much income can we pull out of the policy and how long will it last? And I want to get somebody out to age 100 or beyond. Okay. And so at age 80, we switch to loans and we continue that income stream, that passive income stream that's going to get them to age 100. And the, the idea is that we want, we want the, that we want the policy to outlast you, right? Okay. We don't want you to outlive the policy. And so we have to manage that a little bit and, and make sure that we're not pulling too much out. And then so, and so, you know, let's say uh, you're 80, you finally die at age 90. Uh-huh. Okay. And so the death benefit is essentially paying that loan off. And the remainder of the death benefit is going to your beneficiaries. Okay. Would the death okay. benefit get smaller because you got older? It does get smaller. It does get smaller. But remember too, at age 90, if you started doing this when you were 25, right, there, uh-huh. there's a lot of cash value and a lot of right. death benefit built up in this policy. So yeah. usually what happens is it's still a significant death benefit. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I just wanted to clarify that because, you know, it, it, it had, it's basically been a loan you're taking out, but you can, I think you said surrender or uh, partial, partial surrender. surrender. Yeah. Like taking a withdrawal. Yeah. Taking it. You could take a withdrawal from it. And then I think my last question on this, because uh, I enjoy it. I hope everyone's enjoying kind of hammering away at <laughs> a whole life policy here and, and nerding out, out on that. But so I'm a real estate guy. Uh, and so if I had, 50,000 in a cash value policy, took a loan against it. Maybe I was flipping a home or something and, mm-hmm. you know, use that to be the bank to loan to my other LLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause 
I'll say this, you can't do that with self-directing uh, 401k or IRA or things like that. You, can, you can't do it. You, right. you have to stay passing. It's called yeah. self-dealing. Yep. And then it'll, yeah. it'll uh, definitely not something you want to get into with the IRS. Yeah. Cause you got, you have to stay passive with those, but with the cash value, I could, you know, say, you know, uh, Stuart LLC, Money Vision U LLC, you know, is buying this property for $40,000. I need 40 plus some for rehab. I'm making up arbitrary numbers here mm-hmm. from somebody because I don't have that liquid, but I could borrow from my cash value policy to fund that when I sell it, return the money back to the cash value policy. And then the gains from that can go to Money Vision U LLC. And it that would be allowed basically. It is. The only thing I would say is make sure you work with a with a good accountant, a CPA, to uh-huh. set to so that, that that loan process where you personally are borrowing money from your policy and then loaning it to your LLC. Mm-hmm. That's a very common use for small business owners, real estate investors, right? This happens all the time. But you want to make sure that structure is set up correctly and reported correctly as far as okay. tax goes. Right? Have a good That's CPA. So that all works, but work with an accountant to make sure you're reporting that to the right way to the IRS, which will do two things. It'll keep you out of trouble with the IRS, but more importantly, it lets you capture the tax advantages in that process, right? Yeah. So if you borrow money personally from your policy there um, and you loan that money to your LLC, okay, the LLC is making payments back to you personally, and then you're using all or a portion of those payments to pay the policy loan back maybe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that would be one scenario. There's tax advantages built into all those steps. Yeah, I think that's you know, one you thing. You don't want to miss any of them. We haven't gotten into, but I, I know it's going to be a, a can of worms right there. So won't dive <laughs> too much into it. But uh, and I guess the last thing with real estate at this point, I'm just thinking for myself. And hopefully people, you know, may, uh, I, I like the path I'm on. So uh, maybe someone will, you know, have the same journey or something. But if I wanted to invest in a property, like let's say I go buy a single family house. It's a long-term rental. You know, it's it's cash flowing $250 a month. You know, I got the loan from my cash value policy. Could I use that dividend to just go into Stuart Berryhill's checking account, not the cash value, not going back to the cash value, you know, have the dividend to be able to play with that and you know, while, you know, I guess paying back the cash value policy as I kind of can. You uh, can, um, you can. So the dividend, you have three options on dividends usually, and it varies a little from company to company, but those three options are, and, and the, the way we always set them up is the dividend buys more paid up additional insurance, which creates a, a significant amount of cash value for paid up additions. That's why we try to get most of the premium into paid up additions and we push the dividends and the growth every year into more paid up additions. Cause that okay. just continues to drive the cash value. Okay. Second okay. option is you can, you can receive it in cash. They'll just send you the dividend in the form of a check. Okay. Okay. And then the third option is you can have it applied to an outstanding policy loan. So you could also direct the insurance company to pay down your policy loan every year with the dividend. Okay. Interesting. Those are the three options you have as a policy owner. You can switch them around at, you know, do different things at different times if you want to. Um, the default thing we really go for is just keep buying paid up additions to keep okay. driving the value in that policy. Well, yeah, we have uh, thoroughly talked about uh, whole life policies here. And I think in summary, also, don't try to do it yourself, kids. <laughs> have an intermediary 
uh, like John to be able to help you out. And I, I, I would imagine you can't even do it yourself. You, you have to have someone really working on your behalf to help you out. Uh, you, you would want that too. And, and so, um, yeah, find someone like John to be able to help you with that. And I mean, hopefully everyone listening is kind of understood and grasped and got a hold of the, the benefits and, and the, the pros of using something like this. And it, I know it's not talked about, but that's what Money Vision used for the financial class you should have in high school and the things that the yeah, people should, exactly. not just the norm, something that, something we should be learning. But we just kind of coming to a close here. Any final words of advice? It could be on something totally different. Uh, you know, quotes, books, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, kind of the floor is yours to uh, end with the audience here. No, the point you just made about working with the right advisor is really important. Um, they, they have to be designed right, both so that you're happy with how it works and so you don't run afoul of the IRS rules uh, around all this. So definitely work with somebody that knows what they're doing and 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 also somebody that's not going to like uh, push or try to sell you something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you want somebody that's going to work with you, figure out what you're trying to accomplish and and make sure it all lines up and that the policy is designed for what you want uh, and not trying to just shove a concept down your throat. Um, I think that happens a lot in my industry and I don't, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, not how I operate. Um, other than that, I think, you know, the, the, the old, there's a proverb that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Um, the second best time is today. So whatever we, you know, get started sooner than later, take action, do something. Um, I have a, uh, I have a landing page I use. If you want to talk to me about this, it's jumponwithjohn.com. And um, that takes you straight into a system where you can jump into my calendar and get a 30 minute free strategy session just to, to find out if maybe this is the right fit or not. And that's okay too. Um, so um, yeah, I guess that's the best advice I, I can give. Take action, do something today rather than later. Perfect. All right. Jump on with john.com. We'll, we'll, we'll have that in the show notes so people can follow you and, uh, and, and reach out to schedule a meeting. So with that being said, John, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Stuart. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at MoneyVisionU. We look forward to catching you in the next class.